If you'll come with me, you'll float too. You'll float too. You'll float too. From Rockwired Sound in Albuquerque, New Mexico, of all places, this is Rock Show. Presented by Rockwired Magazine and hosted by Brian Lush. And today we give it up for the bands Elantris, Alarm for War, Rick Schaefer, Nick Coyle, Call of All at Man High, and we discuss the new It film, as well as the new TV series The Orville, so stick around for more. Rock Show is powered by Rockwired Media LLC, a limited liability company. Please stand by. Well, hello there, everybody. This is Brian Lush with Rockwired Magazine, and welcome to another edition of Rock Show right here at rockwired.com. And as you probably heard from the intro, we are going to be talking about the movie It. Well, I'm going to be talking about the movie It. I actually I got to see it this weekend, and surprised that I saw it. Not the biggest Stephen King fan in the world, but uh, but yeah, but I do remember the, uh, the the miniseries. It was a miniseries back in 1990. People tend to think it was like a, a theatrical release, but it wasn't. It was a TV two-part miniseries. And anyway, saw that this weekend and I, I actually I, I, and I also saw the debut of the TV show Orville, so I'm going to be talking about talking about a lot of things today, but uh, but more importantly, we've got some new music coming that's come Rockwired's way, and this is a rock music radio show, but I'll talk about other things, but uh, one of the, the first band to come our way is the band Elantris, which is based out and they're based out of Ohio, and they've got sort of a Wagnerian approach to heavy metal. And uh, the great guys, and and I did get a chance to speak to the band's keyboard player, Mark, regarding the music. And here's a little bit of what he had to say. Pretty happy with it. We're getting great response, especially now that we're getting it um, out here while we're on the road now, so a lot more people are hearing it. Um, we're getting very good response from everybody. Um, I think it's a. Uh, I think you, you can see a little bit in the album that we progressed even as the album, we were writing the album, and I think that's still going to continue, so I think our next work's going to probably be better. I certainly hope it is, but um, I'm very happy with what we came up with for the first track. And from their album, This Sacrifice, here is Elantris with Ascension.
From their album, The Sacrifice, that was Elantris with Ascension. And you can find that band on the cover of our upcoming November issue of Rockwired Magazine, which will also be giving it up for Star Wars. Yes, November is going to be our Star Wars issue. I figured we might as well be taking advantage of the craze before the release of Star Wars The Last Jedi. The theme of the issue is 50 things about Star Wars that make it rock and 50 things that make it suck and we imagine it'll get a lot of people talking and uh, we've got a fascinating list so far wish you could see it now but you're just gonna have to wait till november but we will be releasing the cover very soon and the band elantris is on it and up next uh i had a chance to see the the series premiere of the orville which is uh, the new seth mcfarland show on fox uh it's uh it's sort of a sci-fi comedy i first heard about this thing a few months ago when I just saw happened to see a trailer for it on on YouTube or something and me being the Star Trek fan that I am you know I I'm, I was intrigued I, then I read the reviews and wasn't so intrigued so I kind of went into watching this thing you know not you know not you know, uh, I don't know. I, you know, it's Seth MacFarlane. I, I got mixed emotions about the guy. I, I loved Family Guy, American Dad, not so much, and you know, and and the Ted movies. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, no, nothing against him personally. Just some of the output, you know, I'm kind of indifferent to. But anyway, uh, for those of you that maybe don't know, here's a little trailer for the series. There's a ship available, an exploratory vessel. The USS Orville. And we're offering you command. You're kidding. That's not bad, right? No, it's good. Paint some flames on the side. And maybe like a rainbow unicorn. You got something. Engage quantum drive. We need protection. Protection from what? The krill. You will die. 
There's no way we're going to be out by five today, are we? You want to open this jar of pickles for me? I loosened it for you. We're on the edge of the frontier of explored space. That doesn't excite you? Boom, bitch! The Orville premieres Sunday, September 10th on Fox. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. So, what were my feelings about this show? I, you know what? I actually like this show. I think it can possibly go somewhere. Uh, you know, the, you know, it, it's being billed as a, you know, a satire of Star Trek when in fact it almost reads more like a tribute to the old classic Star Trek. It, it, it's fun. It, it's vibrant. It's, you know, the, the only thing lacking is, a, is the humor. You know, the humor is, doesn't work here. It, it, it kind of falls flat, especially when you're dealing with a, with, with a universe that almost seems like it takes itself a little too seriously and really copies note for note Star Trek's United Federation of Planets. Anyway, Seth MacFarlane stars in this thing. He plays Ed Mercer, the captain of the titular, 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 titular starship, the Orville. Uh, it opens with him walking in on his wife, cheating on him, having sex with a blue alien. And at the, what is possibly the optimum moment in sex, you know, the, the, the orgasm, uh, the alien discharges some icky blue fluid from his forehead and, and it was a hell of a way to start the show, but uh, it was <laughs> it definitely got my attention, and so it, and it and from there we go to a year later where uh, where uh, Ed Mercer, the Seth MacFarlane character, is given his first command of the USS Orville, and uh, from there we meet uh, an interesting crew. You know, they basically digs at the Next Generation crew. You've got you know this alien uh, sort of wharf tribute uh who's this who comes from this you know single sex alien race and uh and i uh, forgive me forget for forgetting his name what was his name it was uh it was what, what was it uh, a lieutenant commander bordas and you know and uh, a mocklin which is a single gendered species uh, but stealing the show is scott grimes in the role of gordon malloy the helmsman of the orville i think he's got some of the best lines in this in this show and i think he and i think he's so far, from what I've seen in this premiere, he's walking away with the thing. And Seth MacFarlane does what he does, you know. He's, he doesn't re- truly stand out. It, this truly feels like a Seth MacFarlane vehicle. And uh, playing his ex-wife, who, who, I, who, by the way, is now his first officer aboard the Orville. Uh, her name is, the character's name is Kelly Grayson, played by Adrian Palicki. I, I hope I'm saying that right. But anyway, you know, I, I mean, despite, you know, how I feel about my feelings about Seth MacFarlane and all that, you know, the two of them really have some chemistry. I think, you know, the the, the setup that we've been given in this premiere can lead to some very interesting moments in the, in, in the coming episodes of this season. And here's one of them. Fuck. Give me the device, human, or I will destroy your ship. Sorry, can you can you move like two steps to your right? What? It's like a little tiny. It's just a lot of dead space there. Just 
Yeah, just right there. Perfect. Yeah, sorry, you were just very weirdly framed. It was all I could focus on. Anyway, what is it you want? You know what I want. Sorry, right. Yeah, sorry, I'm a little distracted lately. I just got out of a rough marriage, and it's been a difficult time. My wife had an affair. Oh, my God. Are you really bringing this up right now? I'm trying to keep him talking so I can buy us some time. Well, okay, in that case, you know, you're an objective third party. Are you married? What? Oh, my God. You're, you're bringing him into our... No, I'm just buying us some time. Let me ask you something. Do you make an effort to balance your career with your home life? A marriage is work. It takes work, right? Compromise. On both sides, yes. And if you didn't make that effort, would you be surprised if your wife sought comfort in the arms of another? No, that would be selfish. No, that would be so. Yeah, yeah, because both of you are complete friggin' saints. You know what? I don't have to sit here and listen. Enough! Emergency power! You have 20 seconds to give me the device, or you will die. So, like I said, I'm kind of on board with this show. You know, I didn't expect to be, but I am. But there's a lot of news going on around social media and all the Facebook postings and then the, and all of the, uh, on all the YouTube postings, really, by a bunch of, you know, sci-fi fanboys who are getting behind this instead of the upcoming Star Trek series, uh, Discovery, which I will get to in this show, in the course of this show. But, you know, we haven't seen Discovery yet, and, and, and the hatred that that show is getting for, I don't know, having special effects and having action sequences and having, I don't know, a black woman in charge, you know, is, you know, seems to be angering people. Fuck it, you know. What I am angry about is having to pay six bucks a month to watch it. You know, I don't understand how an iconic series like Star Trek can't, you know, get a proper television run, but, you know, and and, you know, I don't know about this CBS All Access stuff. You know, I think we've already got... If you had put it on Hulu or YouTube or whatever, I think I could have swallowed that a little better. But I do intend to catch the the, the, the new season of the, the, the premiere of this, you know, Star Trek Discovery. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see how both of these shows pan out. And, you know, and I've got something to watch on Fox once again. You know, I kind of forgot all about The Simpsons, and I did didn't even realize it was still on until, you know, an episode came on following the premiere of the Orville. So I, you know, I, I, I don't really rate things on a scale of one to three, but, you know, I'd give Orville a three and a half, you know, I, I'll, I'll stick it out, you know, and see what happens. But any, but any, with that, all that being said, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm just grateful that, that there's a new star, there's a new science fiction series out there that's fun. And, you know, isn't about the apocalypse. Isn't about our impending doom. It's not about zombies. It's not about, you know, you know, extinction. You know, it, it, it's about moving forward and shit, even having a little bit of fun. But anyway, those are my thoughts on, uh, the Orville. And up next, I gotta get to some music. And, uh, this next artist is Alarm for War. Now, this is a, this is probably the, the lead singer is a fella who goes by the name of Juggy and he's only 13 years old. And I might as well add that I'm recording this on the night of September 11th and it dawns on me that this 13 year old artist wasn't even alive when September 11th happened. But, you know, he was, he's a great guy. He's got some great music. 
it's sort of rap metal, you know, with rage against the machine kind of stuff coming out of this 13-year-old kid. And here's what Juggy of Alarm for War had to say. Well, you know what? Um, I was 12 years old at the time when I recorded the first half of the EP and 13 at the other age of the half, excuse me, you know, 13 of the other half of the album. And I, I just, you know, the first time I went to the recording, it was, I, I wasn't like, like super nervous about it. I was just a little nervous because I wasn't, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, you know, from being in the studio, but as far as I feel about it, I just think it's it's great product. I can assure you, nothing on that album was done second rate. Everything's done top notch. Even you know we we you know go over a certain part. I mean, there was one part I remember in the EP where we had to go over it for probably about 45 minutes, and you know just making sure everything's perfect. So you know, if you guys like Rage Against the Machine, uh, you know Allison Chains, kind of we got kind of got a Rage Against the Machine on steroids as we like to call it, so kind of like uh, Alice in Chains style thing and stuff like that. So as far as I feel about it, I don't think there's anything second rate, and I, I think anybody who likes rap metal is going to really like it. From their new album, Enemies of the State, here is Alarm for War with Day Turn to Night.
That was Alarm for War with Day Turn to Night. And you can find them in the pages of the upcoming November issue of Rockwired Magazine, which will be our special Star Wars issue. That's right, we're going to be giving it up for the 50 things that make Star Wars rock and the 50 things that make it suck. It, it's a big year for both Star Trek and Star Wars, especially Star Trek. It's coming back with a brand new series, although I wish they were rolling this new series out exclusively on television instead of the, this all-access, all-CBS all-access thing, this online thing that you got to pay six bucks a month for. But anyway... But anyway, um, uh, the, the, the series is Star Trek Discovery, starring, uh, Sonequa Martin Green from the series Walking Dead and, uh, as, as Lieutenant Michael Berman, Burnman, Burnham or Burnman, I can't quite remember the na- character's name. But anyway, you know, it, it's a show I'm really excited about despite having to pay six bucks a month to watch it. And, uh, you know, and looking at the trailers and everything, I'm really excited, but, you know, Anyway, here's a, here's a little audio from the trailer just to give you an idea. All life is born from chaos. The world doesn't always adhere to logic. Sometimes down is up. Sometimes when you are lost, you're found. The Klingon Empire has been in disarray for generations. We've encountered them. We have been waiting for someone worthy of our attention. Captain! Incoming! Change is the essential process of all existence, Commander Burnham. Go! You must challenge your preconceptions, or they most certainly will challenge you. Run! We are creating a new way to fly. Better hurry. We're getting very close to... You're mad. I'm mud. You chose to do the right thing. Being a great cost to yourself. You helped start a war. Don't you want to help me end it? But I don't know what to. Now, personally, I'm excited, and I remember 
30 years ago, exact, almost exactly 30 years ago, when they launched Star Trek The Next Generation. I was a 12-year-old kid, and I was so excited by the show. But as the show you know, made its debut. I, you know, it was great having Star Trek back, I thought, but, you know, the the series was a little bit of a letdown, kind of, you know, a little too clean, a little too staticky, a little too, you know, I mean, you know, this wasn't the same crew that the original crew was, you know, there was this Fred, there was this levity to the old crew, there was this banter, there was this, there was this humor, and all of that seemed absent in the first couple of seasons of the next generation and uh and also the special effects you know i didn't think were all that much better of from the original series you know but looking at this trailer that you just heard you know i mean the special effects have a real cinematic quality and action sequences and uh but you go online and you read the comments sections and it's like people are bitching about the action sequences. They're bitching about the special effects. They're bitching about the fact that the lead is a black woman. They're bitching about, you know, all this. And the Klingons look different. The Klingons do look different. They are, you know, they, they, they look very alien now. They don't look like the heavy metal, you know, guys that they were in the next generation or even in some of the earlier movies with the crests on their head. I mean, now they're like super alien. And I guess there's a rationale behind that there there's some statement on race that's being made and uh and and that's all i really know i mean as, as the show rolls out that's going to be made more clear but i am happy to have a new star trek series and i'm happy that it's you know it's taking the the chances that you know things like the next generation never did and here's an interview that sonequa martin green did for cbs this morning it's one of those well, one of those morning programs that I never watch because I can never stand some of the interviewing that they do and, you know, the the, the fluff and all that. But, uh, but, but, but here's a little bit of it, and here's what Sneakwa had to say about the show and some of the reactions to the show thus far and uh, where she thinks this thing is going to go and, and why it deserves a Star Trek name. And here's just a little taste of it. ...on this show is through the roof. I am floored by everyone's artistry. I really am. Every single department, in front of the camera, behind the camera, the crew, the the cast, the producing team, the writers, I just, I I feel that everyone is at their highest potential, honestly. I love the idea that Star Trek Discovery is actually a prequel, happens a decade before the original Star Trek series, and you are Spock's adopted sister? How, Nora? How? is that and can 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 we cut to sonequa here please can you do the sign oh i mean are you legit higher higher all right legit (laughs) it's i i i appreciate um how courageous this story is Mm -hmm. and i appreciate how they have woven me into that family because spock Mm -hmm. is an institution Mm -hmm. so do you have pointy ears 
I do not because I'm adopted. Oh, yeah, I'm human. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent human. My parents were killed when I was when I was very young, mm-hmm. and it happened at a Vulcan outpost, and so they took responsibility for me. And I I was commissioned to uh, Sarek and Amanda's care, mm-hmm. so I became their surrogate daughter, and then thereby. So do you have Fox some surrogate. Vulcan qualities or traits? definitely there has okay. been a serious Vulcan indoctrination. Okay, for sure. There I, I had to I I was forced to assimilate. Okay. Did you say on a recent panel that somehow looking at Star Trek Discovery can give you some uh, entree to solutions for today's problems? I, th- I think so. And, and that seems like a lofty thing to say, right? But I think that it's very, I think that it can be very profound because obviously stories can be so healing. Um, art is so healing. And I think that when you have a story that shows a picture of a utopian future, I think, especially, it's it's been this way the entire time. This is the legacy of Star Trek, and I think that when you can when you can tap into that, when you can key into that, I think that having a vision of it can help you actualize it. Mm-hmm. I really you know, do. when it was first announced that you were going to be the first woman of color, you had some haters. Not everybody was happy with That's the true. decision. That's that true. couldn't have been pleasant for you. Was it painful? It, How it, did you it was, it? to be honest. It was a bit hurtful, but I, <laughs> I'm a black woman that was uh, raised in the South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, it did not surprise me mm-hmm. um, because I am used to I'm used to that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's a it's a double sided coin, right? Because on one end I wasn't surprised. On the other end, I sort of was because diversity and universality are you know they're a pillars of Star Trek. They're pillars yeah. of Star Trek. That is the legacy of it. And speaking so, of that legacy, I didn't realize this until going back over the research for this. That mm. in 1968, Nichelle Nichols and William Shatner made television yes. history with their interracial, their, the first interracial kiss on television. Yeah, was was in the there original it, series. Did the TVs explode? <laughs> I know you would think <laughs> yeah. so, right? Well, in Everybody 19, okay? 1968. I know, yeah, that's no, a big, Star Trek has always gone deal. boldly. Yeah, it, it, it always has. That's been the essence of it. Yeah. Um, and I think no man that has gone before. Exactly. And does Discovery continue that? Absolutely. How does it do? Absolutely. Well, we do that because, you know, we're, we're upholding the legacy, but, but again, taking that next step forward. Because here I am, the first black female lead. We've got the first Asian female captain. We've got the first woman captain uh, with a woman first officer. And you have and a got, very creepy guy with blue eyes. That the Kelpian. What the is Kelpian. He? He's a Kelpian. Oh, my God. And so he's the first of his kind. We're okay. introducing his species what on is our he? show. He's a oh, Kelpian. Yeah. A Kelpian. Yeah. Very that's, creepy. Yeah. It's <laughs> no, but think, people like creepy. I know. Like yeah. The, the design is, is gorgeous for sure. And we've got the first openly gay officer in, you know, on a Starfleet, in Starfleet on a Star Trek show. So it's we're 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 doing it. We're continuing it. That's and that's how you do it. So the so the naysayers, I think it's completely antithetical. If you say you're a longtime Trek fan, it doesn't. Well, the Trekkies are going to love it. My family included. We are Trekkies in my family. Watched it forever. Yes. We're cheering you on, Sonequa Martin-Green. Thank you so so much. A special broadcast premiere of Star Trek Discovery will air September 24th at 8.30, 7.30 Central on CBS. And after the premiere, all new episodes will be available on CBS All Access. Trekkies. And there you have it. And like I said, for one, I am very excited. I don't think that, you know, that there's all, you know, for years, especially since the, the rebooted films that J.J. Abrams, you know, directed, you know, from 2009 onward, 
and I am going to be talking about J.J. Abrams later in the show, uh, my opinion is, you know, J.J. saved Star Trek, you know, and I know I'm in the minority when, you know, when you're talking about all the, the, the online hatred that's directed towards the guy. I loved what he did with Star Trek. I loved what he did with, with, with Star Wars. And, uh, and I love what Star Trek is doing with this, you know, taking a cue from sort of the, 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 the that visual aesthetic with all of the, uh, what, what, what do you call it? Lens flares that everybody loves so much. Anyway, I'm happy to, to see Star Trek get, you know, get, get, get a, get a new, a new launch this way. And I'm excited for the show. I'm excited for Sinequa and I really, I'm really hoping that, that this show will do something now. And now I got two shows I can watch. I got the Orville and I got this one. And I'm really excited to see how both of them do in the coming year. And, uh, that's pretty much my spiel on Star Trek right now. And now I got some more music. Next up is a dear friend of Rockwire. It's a, a dear friend of mine. In the eighties, he was in the new wave band Reds. And now, and for years, he's been on his own as Rick Schaefer, boasting a sort of, of a, a real noisy, grungy sort of, uh, well, what's, 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 what's that guitar player's name? A sort of a Link Ray sound he's got going. A very lo-fi, heavy, ballsy rock sound. I've, I've, I've loved his sound for years and he's got a brand new album out called Stolen Moments. And, uh, I, I have not interviewed him yet, but I will be interviewing soon. And he will be one of the artists that's going to be featured in our November issue as well. And here is Rick Schaefer with Modern Life. Oh 
Rick Schaefer with Modern Lie off of his brand new album, Stolen Moments. And he will be one of the artists featured in the November issue of Rockwired Magazine. And I just uh, just got an, uh, an instant message from my friend Jeremy uh, saying, It was so laughably bad, ha 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 ha. Well, uh, the, well, I did see the movie this weekend. I, I think I saw it, did I see it Friday? I saw it Saturday. saw it Saturday morning. And, uh, and uh, I walked away with a completely different experience. Uh, and I was a person who knew the miniseries. You know, I was 15 years old when that miniseries came out on ABC television. And uh, and uh, uh, anyway, uh, for those who probably aren't in the know, here's a little clip of the trailer, just a little clip of it. When you're a kid, I think that can always be protected, cared for. We like hanging with you. Thanks. You shouldn't think it's too much. Hanging out with us makes you a loser, too. But when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer until it's too late. Where's the poison ivy? Nowhere. Okay, well, I'm starting to get itchy. I'm pretty sure this is not Do you good use the same bathroom as your mother? Sometimes, yeah. Then you probably have crabs. That's so not funny. Aren't you guys coming in? Uh-uh. It's gray water. What the hell is gray water? It's basically piss and shit. So I'm just telling you, you guys are splashed around in millions of gallons of dairy pee. So, what are you, are you serious? What are you... Doesn't smell like caca to me, senor. Have you ever heard of a staph infection? I'm also a staph infection. This is so unsanitary. You're literally, this is literally like swimming inside of a toilet bowl right now. You're the reason why we're in this position right guys. now. Guys! Whose sneaker is it? It's Betty Ripsom's. What if she's still here? And there you go. 
Well, I mean, my thoughts on this. I'll 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 start off with the with the with the ABC TV movie. But I but I want to get into start off first by saying I'm not the biggest Stephen King fan. I I'm not saying I don't like him. I've just never read any of his books. You know, as you probably gathered by now, sci-fi is more my thing than horror. And uh, and I did know the It miniseries, which came out back in 1990. I was about 15 years old. It was a two-parter. I always thought that the first part of the miniseries was better than the second part involving the adults and when and uh you know the first part's kind of like stand by me with you know this this interdimensional you know clown at the center of the story rather than looking for a dead body like they do in 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 stand by me and also there's a uh, there, there's a girl in the group but um but you know I, I i any fond memories i have of that miniseries it all goes back to the first part i did watch the miniseries again before i saw this movie and uh and and still you know i i mean a lot of the special effects are dated and they get worse in the second part uh, with the huge spider at the end. Yeah, I, I drop spoilers without notice, so you'll just have to get used to that. Uh, and, um, but, you know, and the, the, the thing with the It story is that it's like 20 something years apart. You know, the first part of it happens when they're children, and then the, and, and then the next part of the book happens as they, as they're adults. And, uh, so, so this new movie only focuses on, you know, on the events that happened when they were children, the Losers Gang. And I don't, and I don't remember names, but I do remember the name Georgie, the first victim of, 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 of the clown Pennywise. You know, he was played by Tim Curry of Rocky Horror Picture Show fame in the first, you know, miniseries. And now he's played by someone named Skarsgård. And forgive me, I'm not going to look it up right now, but, you know, because I'm on a roll here. And uh, I think the Skarsgård actor, you know, does the role of Pennywise justice. It's mostly special effect. But, you know, the scenes that here that he's in are, com- are completely effective. However, I almost think that the, uh, that the scene where little Georgie gets, gets killed by Pennywise under the sewer is almost a little more effective in the miniseries. And that's the only part where I would say that the miniseries sort of tops the, 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 this newer one. Otherwise, it's the new film altogether. You know, the, the film is, you know, the pacing's about right. It's not terribly scary. You know, I mean, you got loud noise indicating where you should be scared and, you know, and, and, and the clown coming at you when, when you leave, when, you know, when, when the, when the, when the sound is at its optimum. But, you know, it's an enjoyable movie. I, you know, and for me, you know, I don't like films with kids in them, but, <laughs> but this one is casted with kids and, you know, and they make the movie. I mean, they're well, they're all well casted. Don't know any of these actors, but, um, you know, the, the, the eighties jokes. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, the profanity lace jokes, jokes, you know, I, they really work. I mean, they made the film enjoyable. It reminded me of being a kid. So, um, so my take on this film is much different from Jeremy's. I, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. And at the end, it does say, you know, it chapter one, which tells me there's a sequel in the making with them as adults. Just don't do what the miniseries did. Don't, you know, 
I don't know how you could make it better than the miniseries. Well, you know, special effects, I think, are a given. You can make something better than what you had in 1990. But, uh, but you know, I, I mean, when you cast these adults, maybe it's not such a good idea to have names, but I don't know. Maybe names are what you need to sell this thing, you know. But, you know, I, I, I think the film's making a strong impression on its own this week you know it, it is the top film it's been and, and it's making more money than anything at the box office has in a while and you know and really i'm just surprised that i went and saw this movie and had the interest to see it you know like i said not the biggest stephen king fan but you know an enjoyable ride and you know and i and certainly i'm recommending it to you i'm recommending it to everybody it really was a fun film and uh, go out and see it. It's, it's going to be here a while, it looks like, you know, with the business that it's been doing. All right. Well, that's all I, I got to say about it. You know, go out and see it. Love the movie. Up next, musically, is Nick Coyle, a guy who's been featured on Rockwired quite a few times with quite a few incarnations. He was in a band called Stardog Champion. He came to us as a solo artist. There was another band that he was involved with, but the name escapes me. And now he's back as a solo artist with a brand new album called Cold. I will be interviewing him soon. I have not had a chance to interview him just yet, but it is coming. And uh, from his album Cold, here is Nick Coyle with Nothing to Be Afraid Of.
That was Nick Coyle with Nothing to Be Afraid of off of his new album, Cold. And he was, he is one of the artists that's going to be featured in the upcoming October issue. One of, in the, you know, we, we drew a nice little picture of him with the lip ring and everything. And you can check out that, that, that the, the, the cover for the album at rockwired.com. We, we drew everyone on that cover. And I think it's a nice way to break up some of the, so I, I I thought it was a nice way to change things around, you know. I mean, we did pose the question whether we wanted someone, whether we wanted to illustrate every artist that came to the cover, and I think I don't think we're going to do it that often. Just once a year, maybe, preferably around our October issue, and uh, we've got an amazing October issue coming up. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Okay, now we're moving on to Star Wars. I really should have prefaced this show as being our nerd show because we really are, you know, getting into a lot of horror and a lot of sci-fi here along with the, along with some music. And, um, and, ne- and, uh, and in the news right now is the firing of Colin Trevor- Trevorrow uh, as director of Episode 9 of the Star Wars franchise. And uh, that's been making the rounds. But also, when we started recording this show we were we record this show kind of piecemeal uh only that had been announced but just yesterday uh we it had been announced that uh with the that jj abrams is returning to the director's seat and uh uh and uh i know there are a lot of people who who once again feel have negative feelings towards Mr. Abrams. I personally do not. I think he saved both Star Trek and Star Wars, and and if he needs to bookend this uh, this trilogy, then why the hell not? But anyway, before I get ahead of myself, uh, you know, here's a clip of what, you know, uh, of all that, uh, the, of all that Colin Trevorrow hoped, you know, for in episode nine that Probably won't happen now because, as I understand, the, uh, the the movie is on its fourth draft for a script. But here's what he had to say early on in the in, in the process. Star Wars Episode Nine director Colin Trevorrow reveals what he thinks of fan theories about Ray and hint for Episode Nine. Colin really loves Ray. I love Ray. <laughs> Trevorrow told E.T. Saturday he's already seen The Force Awakens five times and is talking with J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson about what's next. Have you seen the theories that Rey is Obi-Wan's granddaughter, and do you have a response? I've seen all of the theories, and, and um, you know, I have to practice how to answer these questions. Uh, what, I, what I do know is is that uh, we're going to, to make sure that that answer is, is deeply and profoundly satisfying, because uh, Rey is a character that... Uh, is is important in this universe, uh, not just in the, in the context of the Force Awakens, but in in the entire galaxy, uh, and and she deserves it. And so we'll make sure that that uh, that that answer is something that feels like it was. It's something that happened a long time ago, uh, far away. We're just telling you what happened. Favorite character or favorite moment from the movie? Uh, I love Ray, but I, I love her, and I, and I love what. Uh, what she represents in that universe and where we can take her. It's, it's pretty incredible. By the time we get to episode nine, you know, I, I look at that movie as, as one movie, as three movies, as six movies, and as nine movies. And it's something that needs to honor a story that has been told over over a period of 40 years. Star Wars is a, is a belief system. Uh, it's not just a story, and it's not just a movie, and it's something I take very seriously. 
That was Colin Trevorrow talking to an Entertainment Tonight journalist. And uh, the journalist also brought up the fact of, you know, the petition, that a petition that was going around to get George Lucas back into these films. And, you know, and here's what he had to say about that. The Force Awakens, you know, in a lot of ways was a movie for fans and to bring people back to that, to the origin story. By episode nine, do you see it being really different and just taking us to tons of new places? You know, uh, a, a, a story must evolve or perish. And, uh, and Ryan and I are working closely together to make sure that our stories build off of each other and continue to evolve and take us to new places. And I think that's what the fans expect and what they want. There are petitions to bring George back. How do you react to those petitions? Uh, you know, I was, uh, it was funny, I, I saw that, I think it was yesterday, uh, and it was on a day where I was at Lucasfilm giving this big speech to everyone about how we want to channel uh, the, the invention and just the raw creativity and, and the boldness uh, that George brought to these films. And that's something that I'm so focused on, uh, and not being afraid uh, that we're going to embarrass ourselves by doing something that might be crazy, because when George Lucas made Star Wars, a lot of people thought it was crazy, but it's the greatest story ever told. And that was Colin Trevorrow. He is the latest casualty in 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 uh, in the in the uh, Star Wars director's chair. At first, there were those two fellows, Lord and Miller, who were work who were working on the Han Solo movie, and now it's Trevorrow who was set to direct and helm the uh, the the Episode Nine film, uh, and. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, questioning going on about the, the the future of Star Wars, how it's on shaky ground. I personally don't think so. I think this is the best Star Wars has been in a long time. You know, if Star Wars was on shaky ground, I this is just me. George Lucas put it there by releasing those awful prequels. And that was what, you know, ruined Star Wars. I think, you know, Disney coming in, taking it, wrestling it from George Lucas and, uh, and, and preserving an aesthetic and, an, and a vision that worked in the past is working right now you know i mean you know what what is it uh, uh force awakens is like the, the 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 top grossing film in this country and it's and it's made like two billion dollars i just found out that uh the, that uh, rogue one made a billion so this is a money-making franchise and and, and you know it, it's you know it's a machine disney is a machine they've got this thing down to a science and it's not you know just a single director coming in and you know going over budget and whatever and you know and uh you know i you know the only thing i ever saw of college trevorrow's was jurassic world did not like it i could not understand how before force awakens that was the top grossing film that year in the billion i think that made about a billion and a half or something but you know i didn't see why you know the the story wasn't compelling nothing was interesting about it you know, the, the, the special effects were just special effects. They didn't razzle and dazzle me at all. They just, you know, looked like what you expect from a movie now, you know. But anyway, the subject of, uh, and, and this goes back to the subject of, uh, of J.J. Abrams going back to bookend this current trilogy. I personally think it's fine. I got no problem with him. I never did. You know, I, I, I was grateful. I was, you know, as a matter of fact, going back to 2009 after I saw 
the rebooted Star Trek, I was like, why didn't they get this guy to do a Star Wars movie? This That would have been perfect. And what happens? You know, three years later, they announce that he is going to do a Star Wars movie. And two years after that, the movie comes out and it's everything I I, I knew it was going to be. And, you know, but, you know, that doesn't stop the fanboys. It doesn't stop the haters. It doesn't stop the, you know, the the, the trolling. It doesn't stop, you know, it doesn't stop any of that. And, and, And it's really too bad, you know. You know, everybody's got a, a strong opinion about this or that, and that's why our country's in the mess we're in now. I mean, I don't don't mean to go that deep, but it's kind of true, I think. Anyway, I, I, I'm happy with the direction Star Wars is in, and I'm happy that, you know, J.J.'s back, and, you know, and Colin Trevorrow only knew the one film, can't say much else, but, you know, it is what it is. Okay, and moving on to some music. Uh, this is a friend of mine, Hunter Watson. You know, he, he started off in a band days ahead. I, I can't, re- I actually can't remember the band he was in years ago, and I apologize for this, Hunter. Uh, he did win, uh, he, he was a, a Rockwire Artist of the Month winner with his band. It was early on in the publication of the magazine, and then he got away from music and, uh, and started acting. He was in the, he was in the series Walking Dead. And me never having watched Walking Dead, I can't tell you who he was, but he was a, he was a series regular and, uh, and, uh, and now he's back with a new band called Call of All. And a new album is on the way. And, uh, I'll be interviewing him soon. He will be featured in the October issue. And, uh, here, here is Call of All with War and Illusion. Yeah. 
That was Call of All with War and Illusion, and you'll be reading more about this duo in the upcoming October edition of Rockwired Magazine. Now, here's something we almost didn't talk about on the show today. It's about Sinead O'Connor and her recent appearance on the Dr. Phil show. I mean, she's in music. We are primarily a music show. We should be bringing this up, just because depression is something that seems to hit you know, music makers and writers a little harder than it does, I don't know, actors or any other creative field. It, it, it you know, it, it's serious stuff. And I remember a few months ago when Sinead made this posting, this video posting about, you know, her family and how no one was helping her, how she was living in this, in this hotel room, in a motel room, actually, in the ass end of New Jersey. And it was just a real, it, it was a shock to me. It was a far cry from her days when she topped the charts with that Prince song, Nothing Compares to You, and was, and, and, you know, and far away from the days when she'd make news, you know, tearing up the, the Pope's picture or not having the national anthem played before her concerts and, you know, just sort of getting people's go. And, and, you know, and I remember those days well. I remember, you know, her being, you know, you know, the, the center of, of the, of the music world for, for just a brief moment anyway. But, you know, I always thought her music was great. I always thought her voice was beautiful. And, um, but, you know, and, but when I find out she, when I find that it, it's Dr. Phil that's come to offer the hand of friendship and, and support, I was a little concerned, you know, I mean, I don't like Dr. Phil at all. I think he's a charlatan. I think, you know, it's the worst thing that Oprah ever discovered. You know, he's, you know, he's just, I, I find him morally dishonest. I, I, I think he's a, he's a carnival barker more than he, than, than he is a therapist designed to help people. And what really turned me off was when he, uh, when he had that Shelley Duvall on his show. And I thought that was like, I thought that was almost the worst of, uh, of what he does. It was sensationalism. It was, playing with a woman's, you know, sanity to get ratings. And I admit I did watch it because I was curious, but didn't finish watching it. I just couldn't do it. And uh, I have not, I've only seen clips of, of this Sinead O'Connor one, but, uh, but some of, some of it, you know, it sounds like she's in control here, not him. You know, there, he's, she's not a puppet for him. At least it doesn't read that way in the interview clips that I've seen, but you know, you know, she's famous for the shaved head, and I thought this, you know, nightmarish, you know, uh, explanation for why she shaves her head, you know, really got to me. I, I, well, here it is. Just listen to it. You said she cut your hair off. Yeah. Why do you keep your hair shaved? When we were children, my sister had the most beautiful red hair, glorious red hair, the type you'd be jealous of, like, just, just beautiful you know like that gorgeous woman on that show mad men you know that woman that just like like jessica rabbit looking you know but my mother took it into her head that my sister's hair was ugly and horrible and disgusting and she started when i had long hair she would introduce us as her pretty daughter and her ugly daughter and that's why i chopped my hair off i didn't want to be pretty it was dangerous to be pretty too because i kept getting raped and molested everywhere i went have you ever told anybody that's why you keep your hair cut oh, short? Come with a couple of my friends, you know. You know. 
But that was a huge part of it. I didn't want to be raped. I didn't want to be molested. I did not want to dress like a girl. I did not want to be pretty. It, you know, other girls beat you up if you're pretty too. The other reason was in the music business. I was asked one day by my record company, would I grow my hair long and wear short skirts because they wanted to sell me on my sexuality. And I was like, I didn't want to be sold on that. I wanted, if I it was going to be successful, I wanted to be because I was a good musician. So I said, no, it's got to be about how I sound. And not how I look. Plus, I was a protest singer. I came from an age of protest singers. The, the artists I was influenced by, etc., they weren't the type that were selling themselves on how they looked. Yeah, I mean, you know, in reading interviews with Sinead over the years, I've always known about the mother being abusive, but but this one, this interview here, really paints the woman as a monster. And uh, and uh, and uh, but um, Doctor Phil even mentions the video that I mentioned a few minutes ago that Sinead had posted, kind of pretty much begging for help and sort of lambasting her family for not helping her. And uh, here, here's what here's what you know Sinead says drove her to suicide. I want to play. Um, a little bit of that video and ask you to comment on it. I just can't understand how a person can be left so alone and I want everyone to see what it's like is why I'm making this video. All the people who are supposed to be loving you and taking care of you are treating you like Who are the people that won't take care of you? Are you talking about your family? Yeah, and I, obviously I want to be really clever because like, I love my family and I don't blame them. It's not easy for families of mentally ill people. We, we can be difficult. What happened was I had been writing to my family, begging letters, you know, and angry letters and raging. And I don't want to make out like I'm a victim here. I, I give it as good as I get. I was, I was an ass to my family. I thought it would be better. Maybe my family might, if they saw how I'm feeling, they would relate to it. You don't even care. I hoped in my kidney stone madness that my family would see it and go, oh my God, we didn't realize it's that bad. We'll go get her. Do you know they I mean? watch? No. How do you know? They one of them told me. Yeah. I, I, I rang one of the fathers of my children uh, who happened to be five miles away from me in New York at the time and had my 10-year-old child and didn't bring him to see me. Are you mentally ill? I don't believe I am, no. Unless you say that complex post-traumatic stress disorder is a mental illness. I've had a psychiatrist. One psychiatrist <laughs> told me I'm the sanest person he's ever met, which, of course, everyone laughs at when I say that. Musicians are always a little on the edge. We're, we're, we're somewhere out there. Also, I'm a child abuse survivor, very severe child abuse survivor, so, you know, I'm a little out there. I'm unusual, irregular, eccentric. What kicked all of this off, really, was that I had a hysterectomy, a radical hysterectomy in Ireland uh, two years ago, and I lost my mind after that. And that's, I think, what happened with my family. And we have to give my family credit. And, 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 you know, they're not here to speak for themselves, so I don't want to disrespect them. But the fact is, they didn't know who the hell I was. I was told to leave the hospital two days after the surgery with Tylenol and no hormone replacement and no guidance as to what might happen to me. I was flung into surgical menopause. So hormones were everywhere. I became very suicidal. I was a basket case. So, yeah, I, I would say that after the hysterectomy, I was, I was mental. When we talked on the phone... You told me that you tried to kill yourself eight times. I know, I counted up the times in my life that I've tried to. In one year. Why? Because they left me. They left me and they wouldn't let me see my child. His father, who never bothered with the child, snuck him into foster care behind my back while I was in the hospital trying to recover from being bonkers. And so off and he goes family, into foster my care. My family, they all left the child there for six months. 
of course, I lost the plot, raging, angry, angry. And anger was part of the suicidal feeling and also was the grief and unfairness and I can't get hurt unless I'm dead in front of them, blah, 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 you know. But that's what it was really about. That's what made me lose my absolute mind was that they, they kept me from my most vulnerable child. Also, in some of my abuse as a child, my mother quite regularly was attempting to destroy my reproductive system. So the, the surgery was very triggering. I'm just realizing this is a pretty heavy part of the show, and and I and, I, and I'm wondering why I saved it for last. But you know, like I said, we didn't really plan on putting this in, but because it's a music person, we kind of have to do that. And uh, and uh, here's more of what you know, Sinead had to say about her mother and her experience with you know physical and sexual abuse. I mean, you don't really think of the, you never think of the mother as being capable of something like that, but you know, in her case it was, and, uh, and here's what she had to say. The day Pablo went down, Cali became public enemy number one. Try to go up to the Cali bus. Well, you'll get her more bodies. You say your mother abused you physically and sexually and this is really important to me tell me what happened she was not well she was really very 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 not well i would say she was possessed although i'm not sure i believe in such things mm -hmm. so i either she was just a sadist and a pedophile or she was possessed by the devil well let me work backwards here when you were eight your parents divorced after a really troubled relationship and well there was no divorce in ireland they separated and then what happened was when the day my father left we were very upset my father had built us a shed in the garden a hut to play in my mother was so angry at us <clears> for being upset that he left that she said right if you love him that much you can live in the shed so from the day he left we were living in the garden for months well when you mean garden you mean the yard the backyard uh, the backyard yeah it would not be fair of me to discuss anything that she did to my siblings, so I have to only discuss what she did to me. Okay. She ran a torture chamber. It was a torture chamber. She was a person who took delight, would smile in, in, in hurting you. What did she do? Where do I start? At the beginning. My earliest memory, she's telling me that I shouldn't have been born. She didn't want me. She didn't want girls. She wants me to be a boy. She dresses me like a boy. She chops my hair off. Whenever she beats me, which is daily... I'm naked. She makes me take my clothes off. I have to lie on the floor. I have to open my arms and legs. I have to let her attack my abdomen. Um, she wants to burst my womb. She wants to destroy my reproductive. She wants to stop me being a female. She did this to you for how long a period of time? From zero, zero to 13. Thing? So she basically, it would be sweeping brushes. She'd be stamping on me with her feet. The phone would ring in the middle of it and she'd be like, oh, hi, how are you? Her foot would be on my naked on the floor. I'm three, four or five years of age. Kindergarten, I win the prize for curling up in the smallest bowl. I remember being about five or so, we were meant to go somewhere for the weekend. She made me put on a dress that used to belong to my sister and the button was missing. She beats the out of me because the button is missing off the dress, takes the dress, takes the light bulb out of my room, locks me in my room and then everybody leaves for the weekend. She, the type of person, she'd make you get every Bible in the house and every hockey stick. We used to be terrified. The last day of school in the summer was the most unhappy day of our lives. All the other kids would be delighted. We'd be hiding the hockey sticks and the tennis racks and crying because we're stuck with her for the summer. She would invent reasons to beat you up. Like she'd say, the lampshade is crooked. My job was to clean the house. So if I left the lampshade a bit crooked after I dusted it, she'd beat the out of me. Daily this went on. The only thing you'd be sure of every day is you're going to get the 
kicked out of you when you hear the steps of her waking up. Literally, me and my brother used to pee our pants. How long did this go on? Until I was 13, I ran away. She used to make me say over and over, I am nothing, I am nothing, while she was beating me. I am nothing? I am nothing, I am nothing. It was a very small time. After a while, you begin to believe it. In fact, you are nothing. For 38 years, these wounds have been festering within you, and you've never had trauma treatment for this until right now. This was my treatment. I understand. Music. So in the end, I really hope that Sinead gets the help that she deserves. You know, I, I, I mean, in hearing this interview, it sounded like, it, like she's on the way, but, but there was a video, another video that Sinead posted herself online calling out Dr. Phil and, uh, the treatment center that she's been placed in. I mean, I, 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 I mean, she kind of cushions it with Dr. Phil and she thanks him and all that. But apparently there are some problems with the facility that he sent her to. And here's what she had to say. This video I'm making on behalf of a young lady by the name of Tara, who along with myself was very beautifully and kindly sent by Dr. Phil who is an angel, and he is not called Dr. Phil for nothing. He's a good doctor and a great therapist and an angelic heart. And that's why I'm making this video. Dr. Phil, you're being fooled by the centre that you're sending people to, which you're telling us is the best centre on earth. Tara is not safe there. Okay? I'm not going to name the centre, nor will I name the surname of any of the people that I'm going to discuss with you now. The night staff sleep. They leave the doors unlocked. They do not watch the people who have suicidal ideation. I followed protocol, filled in forms, behaved correctly, etc. from Sunday through to Friday of last week, making complaints about this because there are three people, including your Tara, at the centre who are actively feeling suicidal. The law states that the boss of this facility is supposed to call the mobile crisis services immediately that anyone suggests they're even feeling suicidal, whether they're going to act on it or not. He is not carrying out that duty. The night staff are sleeping. The doors are unlocked. When I caused an issue calmly and nicely and politely about it, nothing was done for five days. Eventually, I was abused by one of the night staff for, for making the complaint. I lost my temper quite rightly in order to save lives. People are not being watched who are suicidal or left to wander around the grounds by themselves. Uh, I have been punished and put upon since I set foot inside the place, except when you were there, of course. So first of all, I was falsely accused of deliberately not signing out when I went for smokes because I'm Sinead O'Connor and I want to be treated differently. Nonsense. Everybody was forgetting to sign out for smokes. The only rule I had a problem with was the iPad. I'm making this video because you only have the boss of the place's side of the story and you won't get mine unless you phone me, which I don't think you will because you haven't phoned me in the entire three weeks, although you're supposed to be on my therapy team. Okay? I'm not ungrateful to you. I love you, you know, and I hope that we can continue to work together. But I have to say I'm disappointed that you haven't called me in the three weeks and all you've heard is their side of the story. So now this is mine. Okay? Like I said, you know, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to think that, you know, her getting help is all smoke and mirrors. I want to believe that she's really trying to help herself and Dr. Phil is trying to help her. So, uh, but that video, I don't know. I mean, I, all I can do is hope for the best. 
and you know for Sinead and you know and we don't need to lose another rock singer you know we, we've lost too many from depression and and such and uh, we can't afford to lose another one and I hope she's in this for the long haul but anyway back to some music I know that, that was a little heavy for me I don't you know maybe we shouldn't have put this in but I kind of wanted to address the issue. Uh, up next is a band called Man High. Uh, it is a new project from singer-songwriter Gabriel Gambino, who was who used to be the lead singer for the band, for the Albuquerque-based band Throw the Temple. And Throw the Temple was one of the few Albuquerque bands that we've given it up for, you know, <laughs> here at Rockwired, you know. Uh, we, 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 we focus more on national stuff, but every now and then something happens here in our in our backyard that kind of excites us and you know throw the temple did that but now he's on the verge of releasing some music with this new project called man high and here is man high with love letters from space
Well, kids, we've come to the end of another edition of Rock Show, and it's been my pleasure sitting down and talking with you guys and spinning some music. And, uh, and just because, you know, the clips we use are clips that are the sound clips that we've used were used without, you know, permission. I guess I should say that this is for educational purposes. The, the, the rock show you just listened to was for educational purposes. So, what did we learn today? We learned that it is definitely a movie worth seeing. Uh, we will cautious. We also learned that we're going to cautiously keep our eyes on on future episodes of the Orville and uh, and see and see what happens. You know, maybe it'll be its own thing and not so much of a Star Trek facsimile. And we're going to keep an open mind about uh, Star Trek Discovery. I'm personally excited, but I'd like for people to just you know back off and wait till they've, you know, fucking seen the thing. And we've also learned that, you know, uh, a person's mental health isn't something to, to, you know, to, to, it isn't something to ride upon and, 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 and possibly make someone worse, as is the case with Dr. Phil and Sinead O'Connor. I'm hoping the woman gets all the help she needs. And we've also heard some fantastic music today. And uh, and that's what we learned in today's show. For rock for rock show, I'm Brian Lush, and remember, keep your eyes forward, never look back, and make it up as you go. Rock show is powered by Rockwired Media LLC, a limited liability company, and is available exclusively at rockwired.com. Cause rock is life.